Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Tales of an Epic Nature, the life and times of an unusually average individual. I am that unusually average individual. You may know me by many names and many monikers, but on here, you'll just know me as Ricky. What you are about to hear are tales and anecdotes from my life featuring the people who lived those tales and anecdotes alongside with me, as well as some of their own personal tales and anecdotes. Everything that you hear is 100% completely authentic unless otherwise stated. Again, folks, tales of an epic nature. Nothing is real, yet everything is permitted. Enjoy. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the eighth wonder of the world. The flow of the century. Oh, it's timeless. Ho! Thanks for coming out tonight. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you're here with me. I appreciate that. Uh. So, Desmond, it's been a while, hasn't it? Yes, it's been a very long time, I would yeah. say. Yeah, you've got a cat next to you, too. What's going on with that? Um, this is uh, Samson. He's my buddy. <laughs> how, long so, you had, how long have you had Samson? I've had, I've had Samson for a little over four years. Um, this was probably the only thing that I got out of my divorce that was good. Um... And I also have a dog now. His name is Gustavo. He's four months old. You having a little, uh, little, little pet sanctuary there down in uh, Houston. Yeah, working on it. Um, right. So tell me, what you were married and you just had a divorce. So is that something you want to talk about? Like what happened? I'm, I'm still going. I'm still going through the motions on that. Um, yeah. Yeah, I was, I was, I was with a woman from the age of 22 to the age of 30, <laughs> 31. Um, we were together for a really long time. Um, things kind of, you know, grew apart. And, um, I mean, shit, like, you know, you make a lot of mistakes and, you know, when it comes down to, you know, how everything goes, like, there's her part in it and there's my part in it. And, um, I mean, shit, like, you know, we got, we got married. I don't think that she wanted to marry me. I think she just wanted to get married. Um, Oh, one of those are like, like, I like the idea of getting married, but not actually ready for marriage. Not, not even that. It's just like we were together for so long that I think that it was uh, about the quantity of time rather than the quality of time. Like, yeah. there were there were definitely some good times. Like, you know, there's there's no uh, denying that. But like, when it really comes down to like a lot of things, like you know, towards the end of everything, like the main cause of of most of my misery in life was was being with my ex wife. Mm. And I'm pretty sure the main cause of misery in hers was, uh, was being with me, like, you know, so, um, I have definitely, have had a lot of problems in my life over the course of like the last 12 years, like, you know, You've been on a ride apparently. I mean, I haven't heard much. I mean, after high school and everything, you know, a lot of people tend to go our separate ways. I think there's a Texas chainsaw massacre going on in the background. Um, however, <laughs> um, you know, you, 
there's I haven't heard much about you. I know I ran into your father. My mom ran into your dad when I was in grad school because your dad was still at, uh, I think, being a nurse at Hostra. And I, yeah. <laughs> and I've run into your brother a crap ton of times here and there because uh, your brother's out of his mind. And I love your brother. Your brother's great. Um, but I always ask about you and they're like, oh, he's doing good. He's doing better. But like for you in the past, I don't know. Goodness. It's almost, we're almost like 15 years out of high school, which is pretty crazy to think. And like, I've known you since I was like five, which is even crazier to think. Like it's a lot what, of fucking time. Dude, what's even crazier to think is like, like one of the things about me is like my, my memory is just insane. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you were the first friend that I ever had come over my house when we were like five years old. Shut the fuck up. Really? Dude, when, when you were in kindergarten, you were 54 inches tall. They measured all of us. <laughs> you, were, you, you and, 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 uh, another gentleman who we, you know, were in grade school with that was also extraordinarily tall in German were the only kids that were over 50 inches in kindergarten. Really? Yeah, I wish, I wish that girl's part would have kept going because I'm, I'm, didn't even make it to six feet, which is you a shame. I just, just, just missed it. Like when, uh, when you, when you, when you posted that you were looking for guests, like I wanted to jump at the chance of it because like, like you're one of those people like that in my life has been a, like part of for a very, very long time, but you know, at the same time, like it was really more so for the beginning stages of our life. Like we played church basketball together. Like, yeah, we did. You know, like we went to the same high school. Like, and then of course, like, you know, we had, you know, different, you know, groups of friends. Like, you know, you, you jumped me on my birthday with a bunch of people. Like, did I? Which one? Which birthday? Yeah, you did. Uh, I think it was, I think it was my 17th birthday. That sounds about right. Well, we were yeah. like, Juniors, 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 yeah. juniors, yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds about right. It was, it was cool, like you know, maybe feel like part of and that. That was, that was, that was fun. Like my ribs hurt for a little bit. That was that's okay. That's what high school's for, really. <laughs> you know, but then like you know, like we graduated high school, and that's where you know, pretty much like in this day and age, the whole idea of like you know, you keep up with people like via social media and like other stuff like that, but like you don't necessarily you know, have the same level of relationship with them. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, it's like, hard. Especially when we graduated, like we were, we graduated, um, and Facebook was like the, like the, like the King Cobra, you know, like the, like the big person. And like, it was just the beginning of what social media turned out to be. And then Twitter came into existence. And then people like taking pictures of their food. And so you have Instagram, you know, and then it was just this massive blow up. And we were at the beginning of it. And I don't think we really knew how to handle it, especially when things were blowing up. Like I was so late to Twitter. I love Twitter now. I think Twitter is a fantastic, ridiculous cesspool of adventure. Um, and Instagram is, you know, people take pictures and then you have Snapchat and all of that. And I will say, I, I can almost guarantee if it wasn't for social media in any way, shape or form, I would not know about half of the people's lives that I still kind of know about from like high school and before that. Correct. Cause you can, it's kind yeah, of no. but like without that, you probably would have disappeared. You would have been like this person I knew. But yeah. I don't have I don't have that problem anymore. 
But like, like for me, like I, I try to use social media the way that I use condoms, which is never. Um, <laughs> <laughs> worked well so far, hasn't it? You know, so. All right. So we, we kind of digress, right? Because like, you know, listening in on, on some previous episodes of this, this is kind of like one of your pet projects to, you know, find meaning in the meaningless, I guess. Right. Kind of. Yeah. It's just one of these things that I wanted to do. I've been working. I've been talking about doing this for a while now and I had the crazy idea of, of doing it. And then just, it was just having conversations with people. And I mean, as much as it is about me and, but it's also about the people that I've connected with in life and finding like, all right, what connects, like, how does this person connect to like my whole life story? And kind of also in a selfish way, it's, it's my way of like full proofing myself for like when I, if I potentially go to like Alzheimer's or dementia and I have no idea about my life, I can listen back to this and be like, Oh, these are some people that I used to know. You know? Yeah. And these these are the stories that we've kind of had together because I'm like, my memory has gone to shit. I'm like 75 and I have no idea what's going on. And, you know, and now I have, and, and I'll have these tapes or whatever, whatever sort of digital medium we're using at the time to, to save stuff, to kind of look back on it. I think that's kind of a cool thing. Um, I should probably start putting these conversations in order, which I will not. Uh, but that, that's, that's the great. Now, who the hell am I talking to right now? And how long have they been talking? talking about all of this shit and that's kind of the, the beauty of it um and i think what keeps the intrigue alive so it is kind of this pet project to find the meaning in the meaningless because you know i mean who am i in the grand scheme of the world and the universe it's just me but for my for the, for the people i have on the show and for you know for the people that i talk to and engage with and the stories i tell it has meaning to me and that's important so if i don't get like a million views i don't really don't give a shit this is more for me um and my life and it's, it's a lot easier than writing stuff down i'll tell you that right now it's tons easier well i certainly hope you get more than a million views and monetize the shit out of this and this will be the you know, the way that I can have my lawyer contact you and stuff, but uh, you know, we'll, 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 we'll get there when we get there. And, and just, just, just listen, bear in mind, even though I am in Texas, I still have a Jewish New York lawyer, so they know how to get their money. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> only but, the best, um, only the best. So yeah, like, uh, you know, getting out of high school, I, I, I had a, I had a lot of problems. Like, you know, um, I was, uh, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. So, you know, going through kind of like the motions with that. And then, um, you know, I've been bouncing in and out of recovery for like the last 12 years of my life. Yeah. So, you know, I've had, I've had my fair share of issues. Like, you know, I went, I went four and a half years without drinking. I started drinking again and then my entire life went to hell. And then a little over a year ago, um, I quit drinking to try to save my marriage and my marriage still failed. And instead of picking up drinking, you know, I, I, I went back into recovery and, uh, you know, I've been doing that ever since. Like that's kind of what's given me a lot of meaning in my life now, because <laughs> regardless of like all of the bullshit that like happens, like, you know, for me personally, like if I put a drink in my body, like bad shit happens. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, like for me, like when, when I first like started smoking pot and shit, like when, when we were in high school, like that was my identity, you know, that's mm -hmm. what I wanted to be. Like I wanted to be the stoner kid, like, and that's who I was. You I know, feel like there are more prominent stoner kids in high school than you were. Correct. But even, even so, like that's, that's what I gave my identity. 
Like that's yeah. like, like an external source is what something that was defining me at that point. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? So, you know, going through the motions and going through the bullshit, like, you know, am I, am I surprised that, you know, my ex-wife wanted to leave me because I was an active alcoholic? Absolutely not. You mm-hmm. know, like I, I don't wish anybody, you know, being in a relationship with an active alcoholic, you know, what I was surprised about was, is that I come to find out that she was cheating on me with my cousin, who was basically like a brother to me. Well, that's know. an issue. That's an issue. I didn't, I didn't find that shit out until after I moved to Texas. I found that shit out this year. Who told you? <laughs> he did. In well, okay. So he had, so he had a confession. He had a moment. No, it was, it was a, it was a roundabout thing. Like, uh, like a roundabout way that I found it out. I connected the dots. I connected the pieces. I talked to some family members who like were talking about the way that they were behaving. We were looking at a house in Connecticut. So it's like, you know, she'd be like, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm going to stay at your cousin's house while we fucking, uh, look for a house. Like, is that fine? I'm like, of course it's fine. And I would never think that something like that would happen in a million years. Right. Yeah. So like, you know, Oh man, I wanted to commit murder. Like I thought about like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to shave all of my body hair off and uh, I'm going to drive up there and I'm going to kill them and I'm not going to leave any DNA. I mean, I thought about jerking off on everything, but like the cops, <laughs> it was too easy for the cops. Like, yeah. I mean, the semen, like, <laughs> semen is always like the number one forensic evidence that is found. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so like, the the reason why I talk about this and and the reason why I'm I'm really open about it is is because like one of the things that I've learned is the the capacity to forgive. Yeah, you, you know what I mean. So like I have forgiveness for for my cousin. I have forgiveness for my ex wife. Now I don't have the power to forgive anybody that the as far as like to absolve somebody from something. That power comes from God, in my opinion. Yeah, you know. But the whole idea of like what forgiveness is, is to cease to feel resentment against. Gotcha. Yeah. So like when people are like, oh, you got to forgive yourself. Like, what the fuck does that mean? Like, like it means exactly that to cease to feel resentment against oneself, Mm. you know, because that's that's one of those ways that you can, you know, truly grow like. You know, I, I listened to your pilot episode and, and, and your monologue and like, you know, stuff like that, where you were, we're talking about like external validation and like expectations and like, you know, stuff like that. And like, that's all fine and good. If that's what motivates somebody as a person, Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, you know, you think about like, you know, the, the Indian kids who, you know, go to medical school because their parents pay for it and they expect them to be a doctor. So, you know, their motivation factor is to live up to their parents' expectations by becoming a doctor, yeah. you know? So like, you know, me personally at, at this point, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in a very, very great position where like, you know, I live in Texas and I'm, I'm doing what, you know, is for all intents and purposes, my dream life. You know, what is, like, what is the dream life now? Me? I, I play poker professionally. Really? Really? I will not tell George about you at all. No, I've, I've <laughs> talked to George before. Like, oh, you know, oh, oh uh, he already knows. Yeah, yeah. He he plays a little higher stakes than than I'm I'm rolled for in my opinion, and I don't really necessarily like playing online. But yeah, you know, 
like, like being a professional poker player is not like, Oh, like, you know, I'm super great at it. I'm super awesome at it. It just means I make my money by playing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I have a set amount of money that I play with and I go and I play, I make my rent, you know, and then I continue to play more. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I get, I get to do what I love every single day. How did you get into professional poker playing? Well, I've been, I've been playing poker, like, you know, for pretty much like the last, I don't know, fucking 17 years of my life is when I first started. But like, yeah, I really started taking the game a little more seriously about four years ago. So, you know, I would play as pretty much as much as I possibly could, you know, and then once, you know, once I got divorced, like, I'm like, all right, well, you know, I can just go and do this without ever having to hear any bullshit about it. So I did that. And, um, I mean, in, know, my, in, in my mind, you're a pro athlete at this point. Not quite. No, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not, it's not there. Like, but it's, it's one of those things like, you know, I, I decided to go for it because, you know, I spent eight years selling cars, like, and I hated it. I hated it. You know, mm-hmm. So like, you know, I'm for all intents and purposes, I would consider myself a master salesperson. Like, you know, like I sold, I sold Volvos and Nissans and I sold Toyotas and stuff like that. But, you know, out of, out of thousands upon thousands of salespeople, you know, I was a, I was a product demonstration finalist twice. Congratulations. Like, the psychology that's behind all of it, like, you know, shit like that, right? Psychology of so, negotiation. Not even just negotiation, but sales in and of itself. Cause like, yeah. when you're, when you're selling somebody something, you know, they already have an interest in it. So it's the salesperson's job to take that, that interest in whatever it is, the product, you know, and turn it into a desire, right? Yeah. So once you, once you turn that into a desire, you have to, take that desire and turn it into an action, which is the the purchase or the transfer of money for it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so like it's the same shit with like anything that you want to accomplish in life. Right. If you're interested in playing guitar and you have a desire to learn it, you'll take the action, you know, to go purchase a guitar, take lessons, do this, do that. Yeah. You know, cause anything that you're willing to practice, you can do, you know, yeah, it's this um in in mental health counseling. This is like uh, it's like your your stages of change and when you want to make a change in your life and stuff. There's contemplation, pre-contemplation, yada yada, so on and so forth. You've Correct. probably heard this before. Correct. Yes, I mean like you know a lot of us at you know I mean I had I had the uh the beautiful blessing of having a nervous breakdown when I was 19 years old. When did when and where did that happen? That was definitely post high school. It was post high school. Yeah. So, you know, I had, I had my first, uh, I guess you would call psychotic break at 19 mm. and, you know, I was walking around a psych ward, like, you know, with tombstones in my eyes for a little while, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I guess they, they put me on the wrong medication for a little bit, but regardless of that, the reason why I say it was a blessing was, is because I spent the next six months going to group therapy, eight hours a day in the, uh, in the facility. Not in the facility. I was an outpatient facility afterwards. Okay. You know, so it was like a dual diagnostic outpatient facility, you know? Okay. Gotcha. Um, and, uh, basically like, uh, 
the reason I say it's a blessing is because I, I had a chance to start developing some coping skills and some coping mechanisms and learning and like doing a lot of like CBT, DBT, like all that kind of stuff. Like yeah. where, you know, I was starting to, able, I was finally starting to look inward for my problem solving when I was finally starting to look inward for, you know, you know, ways to make myself happier. Like, <laughs> so like I find that there's definitely like, you know, like stigma when it comes to like mental illness and like other shit like that. Like me, I don't give a fuck. You know what I mean? I'm a, I'm a high functioning, you know, person with the bipolar disorder. Yes, you are. I, I, I'm in the field with people who aren't as high functioning working there consistently. So you are, you are blessed. You are very lucky to be managing it and you seem to be managing it quite well. Well, it's because I take my fucking medication. That's, that's a also a good thing. point. <laughs> yes. You know, like, like, Oh, well, you know, I feel a lot better, so I don't need the medication anymore. No, it's the fucking medication that makes you feel better. Yes, happen, that happens a lot with people who suffer from mental illness. They stop taking it at the when they when they believe they're fine, and that's the, no, it's the medication. Yeah, and like, why is it so important for people with mental illness to to get really really good at not only identifying their feelings but articulating them? Yeah, you know, like a psychiatrist can't put you under an X-ray and be like, oh, well, you know, you have borderline personality disorder, so. You know, based upon the way that your body is, you need to, you know, take X, Y, and Z. Oh my God. I wish it was that easy. They can, they can only go based upon what you tell them. Yeah. So if you're taking a medication and your anxiety has spiked, it's not the medication necessarily that's completely fucking you up. It's like maybe you need a different medicine. Yeah. You know, medication regimentation is a huge, huge thing. Fucking like Advil, Advil and, and Tylenol, right? Both can treat a headache, but Advil, Advil, ibuprofen is also an anti-inflammatory. So you can take that when you have, you know, a toothache or you just got a tooth ripped out and stuff like that. Yeah. isn't going to have the same kind of effect on that, but they're both going to be able to treat something. Correct. In this, you know, in the same sense that, you know, Seroquel and I don't know, uh, Lamictal can both treat bipolar disorder, but it's not for everybody. No, it's not. It's a, it's, you know, there's, there's effects and side effects. Each thing, and you, you really got to listen to your body. And, and at this point, with mental health, your mind as well. What is, what is everything telling you? Yeah. You know, like, I don't know, man, like life, life in and of itself. Like I have, I have been in, I've been in, in various different, like, you know, waves back and forth. Like, Mm-hmm. You know, wanting to put a gun in my mouth and blowing my brains out to being so fucking manic that I thought I was the reincarnation of Socrates. Wow, that's a big, that's a big one. So- yeah. Why Socrates in particular? Not not Aristotle, but Socrates. But yeah, Socrates. Okay. You know what I mean, so like uh, I just started answering everybody with a question. Oh goodness! You know? Yeah, it was, it, was, <laughs> it was bad. It was it was it was real bad. Um, yeah. You know, so like fucking, uh, I think, I think, uh, another like crazy moment in my life was when I almost died. Um, by your own hand or by accident? By accident. Okay. So let's get, let's get, uh, <laughs> by, 
I do have a lot of questions from from the from the. I, I can. It's really weird for me to say like from your twenties because like I really I like let me tell me about your twenties and I hate that we're at this point in life where I can be like tell me about your twenties but let me hear about this part this near death experience that you had. All right, so this was 2014. Okay. Uh, and I was mountain biking with my cousin Andrew. And uh, we're at Cunningham Park in Queens. You know, we're, we're doing our thing. We're at the pump track. We're kind of like going over these jumps and stuff. And my bike, the whole fork like breaks. So he's using my old bike and I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. Like I want to get one more run with this. Yeah. And I, I go and I jump, I jump, uh, like, uh, the, the pump track and I'm like, I'm trying to get as much air as I possibly can at this point. And I completely miss the transition. The bike flat bottoms Oh shit. I fly over the handlebars. The handlebar impales me in the leg and this is my femoral artery by about a quarter of an inch. So Jesus. I I get up from it and I just see like blood just pouring down and I like you know put my hand on my on my on my leg I scream I tell him to call nine one one calls nine one one like uh, you know someone came over tourniquet my leg with a with a, with their belt so I'm sitting there just like lying in a pool of my own fucking blood not knowing what's gonna happen right. Yeah. So like my, my journey in spirituality has gone from unadulterated blind faith as a child to agnosticism to complete pure atheism, not necessarily because I was getting away from God, but like, you know, when you're in college and you want to bang girls that don't believe in God, like, you know, I mean, you don't believe in God either. Pussy is a great motivator, without a doubt. Absolutely. There, there's a, I can do, we can do a whole <laughs> two-hour two special on the power of the pussy. Yeah, I mean, listen, let me tell you something. If I understood women, I would be a gazillionaire. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I know. <laughs> Life's so, greatest mysterious women. Correct. You know, like, like I think uh, Dave Chappelle, we're going to digress for a second. Dave Chappelle, you know, put it, you know, perfectly uh, when it comes to women understanding men, right? You know, suck his dick, play with his balls, fix him a sandwich, and don't talk so much. Yeah, I mean, that, that, <laughs> that is really, that, that is really, yeah, like, let me play video games and bullshit real quick. Like, I'll be back. Like, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. Like, you know, like, we're good. Like, you know, yeah, we're, we're really simple. Like, the, the male mind is simple. The male eagle is fragile. The male <laughs> Yes. Very, very simple. <laughs> so, you know, lying in a in a pool of my own blood and like, you know, just like thinking to myself, I'm like, if if this is it, like then then so be it. Like, let me make peace with what's ever out there, right? Yeah. Really like if I'm being purely brutally honest at this point, right? You know, it was kind of more like Pascal's gamble. <laughs> 